0: Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing.
1: Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and Advanced
0: Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone.
1: Sister Doris. I actually don't know the tune. (laughs) No, those two words. It's like that show, sister, sister. My, Melanie might be a little off, but do you remember that show? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Sister Doris. They have nothing. They have nothing in common except for my little jingle I've come up with in my head. Right. Um, so, so if you haven't caught on, clearly you should have caught on that we're talking about <laughs> Sister Doris today yes. in a little celebration episode of International Women's Day, which is March seventh, March eighth, March eighth. Why do I always think March? Because my mom's birthday is March 7th. Oh, my sister's birthday is March 8th. Ah, definitely not to be confused with International Women's Day. Right. <laughs> right.
0: But it is also international or in the United States it's Women's History Month. Yep. And uh, Sister Doris is not from the United States. But when we were talking about wanting to do something for um, Women's History Month, we decided to do this episode on Sister Doris, who is the last brewing nun in Europe. And it's funny reading through the information on her because it's neither Rachel nor I are on the same level of Sister Doris in terms of notoriety. But I could empathize with her complaining about how people show up and want to talk to her or interview her because she's a nun who brews and you know she's we'll we'll talk a bit more about about that um obviously that's the whole point of this episode but uh, it seems like sister doris also suffers from the same uh malaise of people being like what's it like being a woman who brews uh, yeah. you're the only <laughs> nun and you're the last <laughs> nun and rah. Uh, so it's, how the, does that make you
1: feel to be a nun?
0: Yeah, exactly. The, um, yes, the, I just hope she the starts fatigue, giving
1: snarky answers like I do.
0: The fatigue is universal.
1: Yeah. So we didn't want to talk about us being a woman. So we're going to talk about someone else being a woman. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she's awesome. But she's yes, awesome. If we're not uh, making her do the work, we're talking about it.
0: Right, right. From from resources we have found about Sister yes. Doris, that's what we are talking about. When we're talking about Sister Doris, her name is Doris Engelhard, but she is colloquially known as Sister Doris because she is a Franciscan nun who brews for the Mallersdorf Abbey in Lower Bavaria. And so Sister Doris is the the last brewing nun in Europe. And she is, as of now, does not have another nun lined up at her abbey to take over. So uh, it's unclear on what's going to happen with brewing at the Mallersdorf abbey when she dies or brewing at all within convents when she dies, uh, because there isn't, she is the only one and she doesn't have a successor lined up. And really, in interview, seems very unconcerned about that, which is fine. Like, that's, I'm not saying that as a value judgment at all, but, you know, it's a 1200 year old tradition that will die with her, assuming that there's not another nun to take her place. So she actually started as a student at the Abbey in 1961, and the nuns there helped take care of her sick mother, and that made her want to become a nun. Um, But her father wanted her to choose a more lucrative career, because I don't think that there's a lot of money in nunnery. (laughs) There's probably none. (laughs) (laughs) So she wanted to study agriculture, but ended up studying brewing at Mallersdorf because there wasn't an agricultural program. And she began an apprenticeship with the brewery in 1966. Um, and the the sister who was operating the brewery had been operating it since the 1930s. So at this point, the nun had been brewing for over 30 years.
1: Jeez.
0: Yeah. And she said that the sister Doris describes the sister, like, looking her up and down like a farmer eyes an ox when she said that she, like, I, I would like to start brewing as an apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she has brewed at Mallersdorf since 1969 which That's is crazy. over 50 years. God. And she took over as the head brewer in 1975. Um, so she was born, she just celebrated a birthday about six weeks ago. She was born January 24th, 1949, which makes her 73 years old and she is still brewing. And so she's been brewing for over 50 years now. And I, I've done very minimal pro brewing, But I do know from homebrewing that it is very physically taxing, even on a homebrew level. And I I know that like there's a reason why you don't see a ton of really old brewers, because it's really, really hard. Oh, yeah. Right. Super
1: hard. I mean, I know young people who had to stop because their doctor was like, you're going to fuck this up forever. Right. Do you you enjoy having a spine that works?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And maybe find a desk job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about just about nuns and brewing in general, because the throughout brewing history, right, monks are the Mm -hmm. ones who get most of the attention. um, Go figure. So in brewing, monks have received the majority of the attention. But nuns have also been doing the same thing in convents um, right alongside them. And one thing that I think is really interesting is that nuns, you know, you're 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 at the abbey, you're receiving a formal education, and the the education they received put an emphasis on applied science and methodology in brewing, which is something that's very counter to how a lot of brewing was happening in those days. And we were talking about that in our boat in a, the bonus episode we did recently with Linda. We've talked about it before, where this is a time when people aren't, you know, brewing is more of an art and yeah. a feeling rather than an exercise. Rec- yeah. yeah, record keeping and using methodology. So, unlike many of the homebrewers of the day, and so homebrewers in this sense being really anybody who brewed beer because this was, you know, kind of pre tavern sort of thing. Um, Nuns were encouraged to refine their brewing techniques with careful documentation through trial and error and through observation. And during the Middle Ages, many single women ended up joining convents because many times the alternative, if you were a woman in society, uh, particularly single, was you had no property rights. You were very likely to be in poverty, having to turn to sex work or even being executed for failing to find a husband in, in time. Uh, So, you know, women were also routinely excluded from religion, as well as a lot of the fraternities that were growing up in place of religion, particularly after the Protestant Reformation. And rules were codified within, you know, within Europe that convents should brew beer for daily consumption while saving wine for special occasions. And that's something, Rachel, I know that you had shared that um, about oh, the, yeah. like the amount that Sister Doris brewed versus the amount that got consumed. So yes, yeah,
1: is- it said she shared about eighty thousand, or they made about eighty thousand gallons of beer per year, which I believe was like two hundred and fifty six barrels, which is okay. basically what we do here at Pilot. We do about mm-hmm. that, and they drink about eighteen percent of that between the staff and you know because they get free beer. And I was like, you know. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak from experience. I remember one time, like our first year, Jeff was like, counted up. He's like, we gave away this much beer. I was like, yeah, I mean, with a, this, this is our life now. We drink beer, we make beer, we sell beer, we give away beer. I mean, it's right. all fine. Like, we just made more beer. Right, <laughs> He's right. like, no, it's not how it works. I was like, that's yeah, how it works, 18%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well, and it's... Um- that's one of the things that I would read about Sister Doris is that in, at the Mallersdorf Abbey, the nuns received beer for free. So kind of along the similar lines, like you, beer is your everyday drink, wine is special occasions um, because of the, that, you know, way back in the day, beer was also, the ingredients were more plentiful. So it was mm-hmm. easier to have that on hand. And she talks about like being worried that the nuns will drink too much unlimited beer at lunch and like she still has basically the same so jeff is the sister doris yeah (laughs) like
1: brewing you can't we have to sell some of this beer
0: (laughs) right right where she's like please don't drink too much of the unlimited beer because we still have to sell it commercially to be able to support the the convent and that's you know very similar to a lot of monasteries that are out there is there's a certain amount that is made kind of in-house for in-house mm-hmm. consumption, but then they do sell it commercially to be able to fund the brewery as well as the convent. And uh, she starts her brewing days at 330. I don't know why am.
1: like said need to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. Like she starts brewing Yeah, then. That's not when she gets up, which I also understand like the nun life, you're not spending a lot of time more than likely getting like getting ready for the day. Um,
1: But yeah, Yeah. starting
0: at three 30 in the morning.
1: I used to do that. Noda sucked. Yeah. Sucked. I mean, Uh, but she, I I see, I've seen some videos of her set up. I think I remember them saying they'll brew twice a week, but in one day. So I guess she's doing a double brew day.
0: Right. Right. And that was, yeah, that was my understanding as well. So yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, I I mean, so I don't
1: have, need to start that early unless you want to be done by 3.30 PM, which is
0: maybe, maybe. she does. I right. Get it. Yeah. I, I have friends who are home brewers who will get up at 5.00 AM and brew. So like 8.00 AM, 9.00 AM comes around and their family's up and, then they've already got their brew day finished. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, not me. I know no. I get to it when I get to it. And yeah. sometimes that is like sometimes it's 9 a.m. Yeah. Sometimes it's noon. A couple yeah. of times it's been like 2 p.m., which I get very angry at myself when it is 2 p.m. <laughs>
1: it's starting to brew. But yes,
0: it is never 3:30 a.m. Um, so yeah, I mean the with Mallersdorf Abbey is located in Lower Bavaria, um, is over 900 years old, and has a brewing char- charter, I almost said charger, has <laughs> a brewing charter um, that is now over 400 years old. So the, the nuns in the Abbey have been able to brew for over 4,000, or 4,000, Jesus, 400 years, <laughs> maybe 4,000, who knows? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, the brew, brew house makes 3000 hectoliters annually. And so you said that translates to about it's 256 about... barrels. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw I was starting to get good at barrels and then I worked someplace that had a German brew system and it was in hectoliters. And I was like, How... <laughs> what does 25 hectoliters mean? I, 30... I like a product of the United States education system. I don't know metric.
1: <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. 80,000 gallons divided by 31 is 250, or 2,580. I don't know where I got this 256 from, but that's wrong. <laughs> and that's like five times as amount of beer as we make, so okay, makes more sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, hopefully anybody who is like screaming at the podcast about how bad <laughs> we were. Their mouth converting- is wrong! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking done with them. <laughs> Out of here. Well, I guess I know what they don't
1: ask about on
0: the yeah. exam.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Right. It's like asking me to convert felt uh Fahrenheit to Celsius. Like Celsius on the spot. To Fahrenheit. On the spot? <laughs> right. <laughs> like right now in my head. I don't know, like
0: multiply by a thousand. I know
1: zero Celsius is thirty-two Fahrenheit, and mm-hmm. I go from there. <laughs>
0: And it only goes up from there. (laughs) Um, So yes, they, uh, the brew house makes about 3000 hectoliters annually. And the, they, she brews seasonal beers and I say she brews it. um, She does have people who help her who are not nuns. And we'll get to that in a moment, but um, depending on the season. And also I think probably depending on the, The the age of information that's available, I found from different sources that those seasonal beers can include a Maybach, a Doppelbach, a Dark Zoegel, a Helles, and a Fest beer. Um, It's not all of those beers all the time, but it's some of those beers some of the time. uh, Welcome to what seasonal is. Um, So when we're talking about a Zoegel beer, Zoegel is really interesting because it's like an effervescent form of color beer. And Keller beer itself is really more a serving style than it is a beer style. We've talked about Keller beer before in that sense, Um, but it's brewed with more highly kilned malt than Keller beer. So it might be slightly darker amber than when, I'm guessing in this context, This and these are actually from my own own notes, so I don't know where I have this information, but um, I'm guessing when, Keller beer in this context is talking about a pale Keller beer. So it will be a little bit darker than a pale Keller beer. Um, So zoigal actually stems from the Franconian word for sign. So um, very much like the alewife hanging out the ale pole, Mm. um, households in the 13th and 14th century brewed their own beer and would hang the Zeugel outside of their houses when that beer was ready to drink. And the zoigal sign was made up of two blue and white triangles and it looks similar to a star of david so one triangle symbolized the three elements used to brew beer fire water and air and the other triangle represented the three ingredients used to brew beer malt hops and water because back in the day, yeast yeah yeast was was there but not known and then in that with like with that the zeugel sign there would usually be a beer mug or a pine branch or something um, so Pine Branch, again, like similar to the Ale Poles in England when beer was ready and available to drink. Uh, so that's what a, a zoigel beer is, because it's not something that we see a lot
1: in the United States. Um, yeah, Martin, who is our yes. friend in Germany, who did some work for Sister Doris. He spent some. Yes. He some, worked for Sister Doris. I guess. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was just like part time or, or what it was, but um I, I asked him an email, I was like, Do you have any fun stories? He didn't have, have anything fun. Nothing he was going to nothing juicy he was going right. to tell us. It was us yeah, yeah, it was podcast. a very diplomatic <laughs> answer. Yeah. He says that the Zogol is the unfiltered Hellas, mm-hmm. which is what Keller beer is. Right. So Zogol is a Zogol beer is a more effervescent form of Keller beer. So it's just like you say, like a serving style.
0: Uh, yeah. So Keller beer is a serving style yeah. rather than a style. Well, I should say. Color beer, according to the definition of the BJCP guidelines, is more of a serving style than an actual beer style because a pale color beer is going to be like a Young Hellas. Exactly. And an amber color beer is going to be like a Young Meriton.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like cast beer, if you think about it that way. It's like the same beer served in a different way.
0: Yeah. And one of the... It's confusing. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that... uh, martin had shared with us uh so he was our tour guide for spotten and he he said something about you know like we were just talking and he's talking about his career and says something about working with sister doris and we were like what yeah you did what yeah <laughs> had to tell us everything yeah. and uh one of the things that he he told us or shared with us about working with her. And this is something that she's widely quoted as saying is that, you know, beer is a very, is like the purest form of beverage, but it shouldn't be abused. And Mm -hmm. it was very funny to, and, and I can't describe it in quite the same way he did, but it definitely stuck out to me as coming from somebody who has lived in Germany and lived in a beer drinking culture And see someplace like the United States and how alcohol is treated here, particularly how beer has been treated, Mm -hmm. you know, up until the last like 25 years of this is something that you chug as much as you can as fast as possible to get as drunk as possible. And so she was like, you know, beer is shouldn't shouldn't be used. That's not the purpose of beer. Um, It can be very good when it's in like everything when it's in moderation. Uh, but that was that was just a really fun story. I was like, "Yeah, this sounds like somebody who grew up in Germany, and not only grew up in yeah. Germany, but grew up watching
1: yeah United States and beer he's, culture develop he's young too." He's well, I was definitely... talking about Sister Doris. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But like, but grew yeah. up watching how the United States treats beer and what beer culture was thought of then, and it is very much like beer is meant to be enjoyed. Don't do that.
1: Yeah. this is why you kids have age limits so high up in the United States. (laughs) Right. So um, that's just a quick,
0: you know, there's not a ton of information out there about sister Doris. Uh, And again, what, what role are we playing in sensationalizing her in her career? But uh, yeah, she did say that she gets a lot of unwanted attention. Uh, She shares that travelers will show up unannounced Yep. to see her and then also like just want to
1: talk Man, to her and take up her time problems
0: <laughs> yeah to her <have> to <laughs> and take up her time and not buy anything um so we can end on and i love i love this story uh she said once a couple came into the brewery and asked her if she had seen sister doris <laughs> and she said no i haven't <laughs> and then like turned back into the brewery and was like sister doris <laughs> and then was like I don't know. You know, it's just like, so yeah, if you are going to Germany, maybe don't treat Sister Doris like a zoo animal. Go in there Um, and buy a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Pay her for her time. Yeah. And then on your third (laughs) visit,
1: maybe then you could ask her to say hi. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so thank you everyone. This is a, a shorter episode, but we wanted to make sure we got something in for, women's history month of course um if you know you're free to care about women outside of the month of march too um (laughs) and not just absolve yourself all day every day yeah absolve yourself of your sins by saying you're brewing a pink boots beer and yeah thank you rachel for your time happy happy um women's history Month.
1: thank you I'm just going to be spending it, celebrating my brewery by working in it.
0: Yeah. You're going to be spinning it by making some fucking history.
1: history, history.
0: Thank you everyone for listening. Please uh, do your best to appreciate historically excluded people in the brewing industry. Um, don't just do your best. Do better than your best. Yes. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Girls. You can email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. You can also find us at falsebottomgirls.com. And if you're interested in learning more about our Patreon, where you get access to exclusive episodes, such as interviews and beer styles, you can find that link on our website as well, False Bottom Girls. And with that, I will bid you a happy Women's History Month. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the brewing world go round.